Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, of all weeks for this to happen, it's Monday, January 13, 2020, episode 232 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. It's about a half hour after we wrap shooting the podcast. I'm being told that we lost some of the audio off the top of the show. Hopefully, we only lost the first five minutes or so as we were chopping it up with Ray Longo, but uh, certainly an unfortunate circumstance here to kick off what is a busy and big fight week for yours truly, but uh, we are going to pick up the audio here nonetheless. About five minutes into the show, uh, we were talking about Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone with Ray Longo. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that Ray Longo uh, has had a long history talking about Conor McGregor, of course, since he has been on our show dating to episode one in April of 2015. At times, Ray has come down pretty harshly on Conor McGregor, and at times Conor has obviously given Ray plenty of ammunition with which to work. But uh, largely this week, Longo keeping it on Conor the fighter. I think for a lot of people it's been liberating that the focus for this fight uh, hasn't been on histrionics, but has really been on McGregor and on McGregor the fighter. So uh, here's Ray Longo talking about the main event coming up this weekend at UFC 246, and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. You know, he is a good fighter. Right. And uh, I do think he loves the fight game, but just that's what I'd like to see the guy stick to and, you know, leave the antics for somebody else. You know, right, the, the only thing with that, it seems like the UFC is really relying on Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor alone to really promote this fight. Um, obviously, it has a huge uh, following on social media. Um, you know, it, do you think that's going to add a lot of pressure to Conor McGregor heading into this fight? Does that change things at all? And how do you see him heading into this fight after a, a little bit of a layoff after the Habib fight? Well, look, I, I but first off, the first part of that, I think it should relieve the pressure, mm. right? He can concentrate on training. He doesn't have to get up there and start dancing around and harassing the guy he's fighting and all of that stuff. So I, I think that takes <laughs> the pressure off him, uh, whether or not they're, I, I'm not sure the. I, I don't know if that's the strategy. Maybe to rely on him, but 
I just think it's the, the landscape has changed where we don't really know what the pay-per-view buys are. I don't think those points are as readily available as they were. So I think he probably just got a, I, I don't, I don't really know. I'd love to, I would love to know, but I would think that there's nothing for him incentively to sell. I think they just packaged the fight and this is it. And they're hoping that, yeah, McGregor's a big draw and that people will, you know, buy the app and watch it and, you know, pay, pay the money. But, uh, uh, man, I, 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 I hope it was kind of going, listen, man, I got to concentrate on this fight. I haven't won for a while and I want to get back to doing what I love to do, which is fight. And I, that's what I, I hope happened, you know, where he doesn't want, he's not as accessible as he was in the past to hype the fight up. And, you know, he did build up to a point where he should sell himself. I'm not sure that's the case, but, We'll, we'll wait and see. As far as the layoff, I think, yeah, I think, you know, you know, Dominic Cruz will say there's no ring rust. And I guess that depends on how you're training and right. what you, how you define ring rust. But I think, you know, the fact that, you know, he hasn't won and he's been off for a while against the guy he knows is in there to compete. I think the pressure is really on him to, uh, I, I think if he, if he loses this fight, it would be, I think it would be pretty damaging at this point. Uh, I agree with you, Ray. Uh, in hearing some of his interviews, it seems like he's saying the right things, though. Uh, do you like what you hear from Conor McGregor so far? Yeah, no, I, I, I like, I, I do like this Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? And again, my, my only problem in the past was that I, I just think he took it to another level. And you got to know who you're dealing with. And you know, I, I did. There, there were a couple of lines I thought he crossed with even Khabib that. Yeah. Just, I don't know, I think we could have did without. But besides that, I always enjoy watching the guy fight. I think people miss, you know, interpret what I'm saying. Like, uh, and I know I have come down hard on him, but it's not, I'm not really coming down hard on the fighting. I'm coming down on, you know, when you act like that, and you lose. I think it just magnifies other things. And uh, I think it's not necessary. And uh, I'd like to see him, you know, he always had a great mindset. Even when he lost to Nate Diaz the first time, I thought he handled that loss really, really well, you know what I mean? And he was able to move on, but then he just, you know, he goes over the top sometimes. And that was the only things I was, you know, right. that drive me nuts. But, um, you know, if you could do it and win, that's one thing. But when you're doing it and you right. lose, I think it just it has a bad look, you know. So I hope he's back to basics. Uh, he definitely, you know, does some things better than anybody else does. And it should be a good fight. And that's an important point in all of this, right? He's only had one MMA fight since 2016. And as such, I think people kind of forget how good he is, right? I'm sitting with his UFC bio in front of me, and you sort of lose sight of the body of work. And I also Without think it's, it's dismissive of the fact that he could actually be ready to present his best version to date, right? If you take him at his word, he says he's ready to present the best version to date. And uh, certainly over the course of his UFC career, most of what he has said uh, has certainly come true. And I think, too, in terms of the media grind, you know, I don't know what what exactly has been placed at, at his feet, but I think it's probably liberating, Ray, to not have just this avalanche of promotional obligation leading up to uh, a fight that obviously has heaps of pressure, you know? Yeah. And John, exactly. And it's not just media obligations, normal media obligations, which nobody really wants to do. He goes above and beyond that. You know, he, he's theatrical. So it's, it's, it's there. It has to be pretty draining. You know, I mean, there's one thing to show up at a press conference. There's another thing to have a whole act going with it. You know what I mean? That you probably had to think about and, 
devote some time to. You know what I mean? So that that's where I'm coming from with that. Yeah. All right, a couple things before we let you go. Clock getting away from me a little bit, given the late start. So I have a, a an Instagram post here from uh, Aljamain Sterling, top bantamweight contender. I don't know if there's a number one next to his name. I guess Marlon Bodice might have that number one. For my money, Aljo's the number one contender. So here's the post from a vacation on Aruba. Very intriguing post here from Aljamain Sterling. This is not fabricated energy for me. Big decisions to be made. I've been missing the game, and my return to the octagon will be sooner than most expected. So if you don't know, Aljamain Sterling had a pretty invasive surgery or so it looked on one of his hands or his wrist. Hashtag Funk got next. Hashtag Funk triple duck. It's got to be Henry Cejudo or Dominic Cruz, right? There aren't that many fights out there when you sort of win as much as Aljamain Sterling has. I mean, maybe Piotr Jan. Ray, what can you tell the Anakin Florian podcast <laughs> listeners about this cryptic tweet from Alja? Break some news, Ray. I'd say, Kenny, that's the only thing I could say is it's cryptic, and only he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I, have, yeah. I, have, yeah. I, have no, I have no clue. I mean, I he think I'm, I'm, assuming that, yeah, right. I'm assuming that's uh, Captain Morgan uh, speaking from Aruba yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. <All right. laughs> but uh, somebody asked me last night, I go, I don't know. Normally, he calls me right away. I didn't get any calls. Okay. So, uh I think he must feel like he's missing something over here. He's, he's having fun, and you know, Aljo's a Aljo's an awesome dude, and I, I don't, I can't interpret that right now, and I and I don't know anything if that's what you're asking me. No, I'm, of course. Literally, I'm telling you the truth. I really and don't. Maybe know I, I I read too much into it, but given the surgery, right, coming back sooner than expected, <laughs> it sounds to me like if you're actually trying to find truth in there that maybe he was presented with a, a hugely appealing fight that he didn't want to uh, say no to or delay, despite the fact that he might be moving up his timeline a little bit. Uh, but that's all I got for you on that, Ray Longo. And that, that could have been a post when he came out of anesthesia, too, back in the uh, <laughs> yeah, he might have yeah. reposted yeah. that. Uh, right. He might have reposted that now. He might have, that might have been what he said when he came out of anesthesia with the uh, hand operation. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But he should all be right. back. Uh, today or tomorrow, and you'll be the first guys to to know when I find out. There we yeah. go. Or the second. We'll take second. Second's okay, too. All right. So, all right, we got a new game for 2020. We will get you out of here on this. Longo's lock of the week. All you got to do is give us a lock on the main card. You get it right, I'll give you 100 push-ups and $25. How's that sound? <laughs> wow. How long do you have to do the 100 push-ups? It's guy have within you know ten minutes or so. It's got to be you know five sets of oh, twenty right. or whatever I can do. I thought, I mean, I thought you were going to say a. W- <laughs> I thought you were going to say a week. So that's good. So <laughs> yeah. that's saying ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'll video it if I have to. I mean, I'll try to do four sets Thank of twenty-five. You. We'll see how we're burning that day. You know. All right, just quickly read off the main card to me. Yeah, of course I'm going to give you some like, fights. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like the amazing Preskin right now. Well, I mean, <laughs> read you off could the go, main card, please. I mean, you could go Macy Barber as a minus 1,000 favorite against Roxanne Modafferi, but you wouldn't be doing no, any that, sort that, of that, service that, to our listeners. No, so that's no. my lock. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, here's I your look, main card. You know, no, I like Macy Barber, though. That's, that's, oh, that's, that's your that lock. I'm going to okay. say. I think that's it. I'm going to take the uh, crazy way out. But, uh, but look, I both, both really nice people, I think uh, – you know, Macy's really, she comes in guns blazing and she looks like she's got the right mindset. And I think that's, that, that should be a lock. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, give, me some, give me some other. What, well, I mean, what she's such a highly priced favorite that for our listeners, it's hard for people to, to win money on Macy Barber if you're looking for Lonco's Lock of the Week. Let me ask you this. What do you think? Oh, about I the, see. The, you're saying from right? a betting standpoint. That's all. But no, I mean, you can go with yeah. a favorite. That's fine. She happens to be the biggest betting favorite on the fight card top to bottom. What do you think about Anthony Showtime Pettis? He's a plus 205 underdog against Carlos Diego Fajeda out of Fortis MMA. It's the pay-per-view opener in the lightweight division. Huge fight. A lot of people seem to see some value on Showtime Pettis. I mean, that's a tough matchup. What do you think? Uh, you know, look, Pettis has been coming to fight. Uh, I think that's not a bad bet. All right. And then uh, in terms of Connor and Donald Cerrone, I mean, Connor's about a three-to-one favorite. Some people don't think he deserves that distinction you got anything for us on the main event before we let you fly no i mean i'm i'm picking uh cerrone to win i mean partly because i like i, I like him yeah. i like what he represents i like what he's done in the ufc i like the way he doesn't trash talk he just shows up and fights so i'm i'm pulling for uh, cerrone and i'm picking him to win we going- i think connor's got a lot to you know going back to you know the long layoff and going back, it's not even a layoff, man. That guy's been in some drama in Ireland, man. He's up against, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been pulled into court for anything. It, it's draining as shit. At least yeah. over here it is. I don't know if yeah. it's different in Ireland. So he's 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 had some really heavy-duty crap uh, levied against him. And I, I, I would think it has to have taken some toll unless he, he's found a way to use that as motivation. But I'm... Uh, Besides the layoff, I think he's had other things to think about, and I'm going with uh, Cerrone on that fight. You going like grandkids' inheritance or just a small wager? <laughs> no, I'm, going, I'm, I'm not a betting man. I'm going a small wager. <laughs> I'll go All with right. this. What was the overrun? What was the uh, – you posted something. What was the – the rounds, the under-over rounds. Yeah, see, I think this is very interesting. So over-under yeah. one-and-a-half rounds. So it's pretty much a pick em as far as the odds are concerned. So over-under seven-and-a-half minutes. So if you get to the uh, the two-minute mark or the 229 mark of round uh, two, you're in the clear. I think that's a lock. How's that? That's my lock of the day, over. Love it. All right, good. Yeah, a lot of people seem to All like right. that over. They don't think we're getting a first I mean, I- finish. I mean, it took him like two and a half minutes. It took him halfway through to finish Dennis Seaver. He's not going to do that to Cerrone, I don't think. All right. A little parting shot there from Ray yeah, Ronson. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, week. guys. Stuff, my man. Yeah, right. All right. Take it easy. Kenny, keep up the good looks, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. I don't, I don't care if that guy charges you 250 for a fade. We got to see your hair in 2020. That's what we need. I know. I know. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> I know. All this bullshit today can't flow. Yeah. Thanks, Ray. No, we got some studio issues, some power outages. Our pronunciation of the week was going to be Nasrat Hackparas, the German lightweight, but we can't uh, bring you that file today, unfortunately. But yeah, long go on video every episode in 2020, 232 fucking episodes in. We got to get this thing going. We know we're trying, right? We've got a lot of uh, irons in the fire. By the way, before we get to uh, the main event challenge 2020 style. How much did you pay for the haircut, if you don't mind my asking? I mean, do you have someone come to the house, someone come to May Rocky BJJ? Because they, they did a fine job. I mean, Thank you want to you. shout them out? I appreciate that. Um, you know, I typically have my buddy, uh, you know, Jason do it. But uh, I, was, I was short on time. I needed to get a haircut. I went right down the street. I was like, screw it. 
And uh, you're not too far off on that okay. price there. All right, that's you, good. Yeah. See, it's not yeah. super cuts. You know, he's saying he's going right down the streets, <laughs> not just going to, you know, Chanel at fucking super cuts, right? Wow. <laughs> I am excited for UFC 246. Uh, to that end, let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so 2020 main event challenge is here. Not much in terms of tweaks, in terms of the scoring or anything like that. I am going to switch up the order of the picks a little bit, right? So we'll have Kenfold lead a little bit more this year. Uh, but overall, if you're curious, I believe it is now 4-1 to one Ken Flow overall. Three consecutive wins in the main event challenge. One punishment still to pay off for me, okay? A lot of fans want to know about the punishment. So 2015 and 2019 are going to be a wash, okay? Kemflo owes me something. I owe him something. There's a wash. I still owe him for 2018. I owe him a power hour. I'm going to do it live on the air at some point in the not-too-distant future. If I got to do it here, I just I, it'd be fun to be in the same room with you to right. see just how lifted for lack of a better verb, I get when I do. We gotta get. We gotta get. Kenny's gotta come here. That's all. We'll just well, you know, we got I would also, here. It's perfect. I would also say this, John. You don't have to be a martyr. I, I think you should go down uh, with Ian as well. I think Ian should pay some yeah. kind of a price as well. I mean, come on. Right. I, I'm. I'm down for. Uh, someone recommended us running a mile, two miles. I asked for just one mile, then doing a shoey. I thought that oh. was way better. That Ooh. was way better. That was good, right? Um, That's that not was bad. Better than your than your French kiss recommendation. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when I heard French Kiss, and then I heard Alexei Oldnick, and then I heard Shuey, I was like, "We can do like, that you know after what? the Shuey." I mean, yeah, I don't know. yeah. yeah. Ooh, this is getting yeah. better by the second. Yeah. All right. So uh, that I thought that was a pretty good punishment. I mean, I'm I'm down. Shuey, not the uh, not the Kiss thing. But, yeah. For the record, though, it was not a French Kiss. It was a kiss on the lips. It takes a lot less time than a Power Hour. It's an opportunity for me to pay off the punishment in three seconds. Now, if it were easier to bring the content of me running two miles and doing a shoey right afterwards to our viewers, right? You send me a camera crew. Maybe we can make that happen. Otherwise, I think we got to go with the power hour. But uh, in the nature of time, we got to make some picks, boys. We got eight of them today uh, for UFC 246. We'll also get a prediction from the fellas on the uh, over-under total rounds, one and a half in the main event between... Conor McGregor, and Donald Cowboy Cerrone. First fight for us today. A featherweight prelim. You can see it live on ESPN. My runner-up for 2019 Rookie of the Year, Grant Dawson. A prohibitive minus 260 favorite here against Ian Parker's buddy and the avid sports better, Chaz Skelly, who comes back at plus 200. Ken Flo, so Ian Parker and Chaz Skelly have struck up a friendship down here in South Florida. So given that backdrop, I'm going to lead with Ian Parker here. Okay. There's no oh. way you're betting against Chaz Skelly. <laughs> Plus 200, I would think, would be juicy to some better. Ian Parker, your thoughts on this featherweight prelim? <laughs> yeah, Chaz and I have become friends. Uh, he told me don't bet against him, that he's going to win this fight. And I thought that was uh, good enough for me. You know, this fight's interesting. Dawson's got a lot of his wins mostly by submission, where I think Chaz is very good on the ground. And again, I always defer the jujitsu conversation more to Kenny. Um, I think if this fight stays standing, it does play into Grand Dawson's favor. However... He has not fought someone like a Chaz Skelly. Chaz has fought better competition. I am making a case for him here because of the friendship. Uh, but the plus 200, I'm a little surprised that the odds are actually that high. I thought it would have been maybe Chaz like plus 125. So plus 200, I don't mind taking a, do a shot in the dog here with my man Chaz Skelly. So 
I'm going to roll the dice to start off the year with uh, with the dog. And in our scoring system, a plus 200 to plus 299 underdog gets you an extra two points. So that would be a three-point win if Chaz Kelly can come through. Uh, Ken Flo, Grant Dawson's a monster on the floor. Pretty good overall, 14-1. and one, Five straight wins overall. Trains under James Krause there in Missouri. 25 years old. Ten career wins by submission. But to Ian's point, nine fewer UFC fights than Chaz Skelly. Seven and four in the octagon. And Skelly trying to make it two straight here. What do you think about Dawson v. Skelly? Yeah, I think Dawson's not bad on the floor. Um, I, I think that's where he does his best work. But... Um, Listen, I, I agree with Ian here. I, I actually think that Chaz Skelly, uh, Chaz Skelly uh, matches up pretty well against him. Um, I think Skelly is the better wrestler. So when it comes to takedowns where, uh, again, Dawson does most of his best work, I, I think he's going to run into a wall against Skelly. He's going to have a tough time taking down uh, Skelly, and um, I, I think he's got to keep it on the feet. Uh, that's where he have the advantage, but I don't see him having crazy knockout power or anything. I like this fight for Skelly. I like the underdog here. Um, that's what I'm going with. All right. Also at featherweight, this is a fight that jumps off the card for a lot of people. Guys, Sadiq Youssef minus 135 versus Andre Feely, a slight underdog at plus 105. <laughs> so Max Holloway recently said right before the Alexander Volkanovsky fight, so maybe after fighting Volko, this has changed, but he said his toughest opponent to date, Ian, uh, or maybe the best guy he's ever fought was Andre Feely. Uh, your thoughts on Feely here as a slight dog against the uber talented super Sadiq. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Feely really showed us a lot in his last fight, the growth. You know, he finally, the potential is there. The problem I have with uh, Yusuf here is his last fight where he was a heavier favorite, you know, he kind of, ah, uh, man, he just, he gave his opponent opportunities to win. And I think that Feely's got a lot of ways here. I think his cardio is going to be better. I think he's got very good technical boxing. Uh, I like his, I like his wrestling, his ground game. He's very active. He's fast, you know, with Yusuf, he's just going to, with Feely's got to stay away from the leg kicks on Yusuf. If he could kind of weather the storm with those leg kicks and drag that fight into deeper waters, I kind of like Feely here. I also think he's fought tougher competition. I was very surprised when Holloway mentioned that his toughest fighter, you know, his, his toughest challenge to date was against Feely. But, you know, I don't know how far that really carries in that situation. But I kind of do like another dog here in Andre Feely. I, I just think that sometimes that level of experience with tougher challengers you know, with tougher competition, plays a factor. And I think his reach is going to be a huge advantage for him in this fight. Ken Flo, Yusuf, 3-0 in the UFC. He's 10-1 overall. It's an amazing story, by the way, the way he is helping his older siblings who are fighting to make ends meet in Nigeria. He loaded up a car of his own and filled it with goods and sent it down there for them to sell at a store. It's an incredible story. Uh, and he's an incredible fighter, I think, overall. A lot of people speak highly of this kid, Kenny. Lloyd Irvin trained. He's 26 years old, five straight wins. Uh, but feel he's got some momentum in his own right and certainly UFC battle test. What do you think about this one? Yeah, this is a very interesting fight. I think Andre Feely has improved leaps and bounds uh, over the course of his last kind of five fights or so. Uh, has really improved his wrestling. I think he's making much, much smarter decisions out there. Um, but uh, Sadiq Youssef is uh, is going to be a tough out for him. I think Youssef is going to have a little bit more power when it comes to kind of, um, you know, knocking out um, 
you know, having that knockout power on the feet. I think his leg kicks are very heavy and devastating, um, moves pretty well. And I also think he's got the mental toughness to go, to go the distance against someone like Feely. Um, so I think we've seen enough from Sadiq uh, to say that, yeah, he probably is the slight favorite. I think the odds are, are pretty accurate here. Um, I'm going to stay with the favorite here. I, I really do like Andre Feely. I think it's going to be a close fight. Um, but I think the early rounds for Yusef, I think, will be the difference here. Cannot wait to uh, to work that fight. If Feely wins, it'll be three straight and five of six overall for him. And uh, he's been in the top 15 before. I think he beats, uh, if he beats Sadiq, he would be back in that uh, rankings potty there. All right, featured prelim on ESPN. As we mentioned, biggest favorite on this fight card, top to bottom, the 21-year-old flyweight phenom contender, Macy Barber, minus 1,000. It's like an Ian Parker play, 10,000 to win a G. Uh, against Roxanne Modafferi, who comes back at plus 585. Modafferi here trying to somehow come through as a big dog. Barber 3-0 and with three TKOs just over a year on the roster. <clears throat> Ian, uh, odds makers suggesting this is very much a showcase spot for Macy Barter. How, how do you see it playing out? Roxy could be dangerous. You know, yeah. the, thing with Ro- the thing with Roxy is that her biggest weakness is when she fights someone that's a very, very, very tough pressure fighter, which Macy Barber is. You know, she comes forward. She doesn't stop. She's got power. She can take you to the ground. But Roxy has fought everybody. She's been around forever. I feel like she has seen this before. Um, does it mean I'm going to take her? No, I, I think Barber is the better athlete. As we talked about, when we get to this level of competition in the women's division, sometimes the athleticism plays a huge role. On a betting standpoint, you can't even do an Ian Parker bet here. I would never lay 10000 for 1000 on Macy Barber. As much as I love Macy, I think she is a very bright star future-wise. Um, I think she gets the win here, but... Don't count Roxy out. A lot of people, when you posted on Twitter, they were like, oh, I'm going to throw some money on Roxy. And I, I get it. You know, Roxy's smart. Her, her stand-up, I don't want to rant too much about this one, but her stand-up has gotten better. Her striking has definitely improved. Just the biggest problem for her has been that pressure. And that's what Macy Barber brings. And I think that's why they're saying it's that uh, spotlight moment for her. Roxy's a good name. She'll pressure her and we'll see how it goes from there. But I'm going to go with Macy Barber in this one. Ken Flo, I finally have, I think, what amounts to a more full appreciation of Macy Barber, having now seen her fight live, right? Calls herself the future, and I think it's a near-perfect moniker. I mean, she's all in, right? Totally married to the game, and at a very young age. Modafferi, 37 years old, plotting, obviously. I mean, we've seen much of her career. Did outpoint Antonina Shevchenko. That was last April. 23-17 and 17 for Roxy in 40 pro fights. Does, does she have anything for Macy Barber this weekend? You know, these are the kind of fights where, you know, we'll find out just how hungry Macy Barber is. Is she believing the hype? Is she still training as hard as ever? Does she continue to evolve? Does she underestimate a true veteran in Roxanne uh, Modafferi. So I, I think if, if Roxanne gets it done, she gets it done on the ground. Uh, I think she does have that ability to maybe put her on her back and uh, sneak around to her back to get a submission. I, I, you know, as far as gambling wise, you know, if you got 50 to 100 bucks, why not throw it on Roxy, see what happens. Um, am I going to pick Roxy to win right now? No. Uh, I think Macy Barber wins. I do agree with Ian that um, her striking and her pressure is probably going to overwhelm Roxy at some point, yeah. uh, but not a bad uh, underdog gamble. Roxanne Modafferi plus 585 at last check. So a $10 wager would, would win you 5850 
get your 10 spot back to, so 68.50. All right. First fight on the main card. This is on pay-per-view. We're going to have Ken Flo lead on the next two here. It's in the lightweight division. Former champ Anthony Showtime Pettis back down to 155. He is a plus 205 underdog against Carlos Diego Fajeda, who is the minus 265 favorite here. Fajeda just had a huge performance in what was a very hard-fought win over Merbeck Taisumab. He's won five in a row, has fought really good competition, Kenny, yeah. dating to that 2015 loss to Dustin Poirier. Hasn't lost. What do you think about Showtime Pettis here against Fortis MMA's Fajeda? You know, um, I think Jago Fajeda uh, has taken on a lot of very difficult fights, very tough style matchups, and guess what? He has won the majority of them um, against some really good grapplers, some good wrestlers. Uh, it really shows that Fajeda is doing some good stuff over there uh, at Fortis MMA and has improved as a fighter. I just think the odds are completely off here, though. You know, sometimes the bookies just look at the records and don't look at the style matchups. I like Pettis. I, I don't think... Um, Pettis is going to get overwhelmed here so much. I think that Pettis will be able to stop a lot of those takedowns. I think he's the cleaner, slicker striker. Um, and I think if Pettis keeps it at his range and is able to utilize his footwork for the majority of the fight and pace himself, I think Pettis wins this fight. I, I think this is a good bet for a lot of those fans out there who are looking to gamble on this card. This is w really the one that stands out for me. It's a sharp take, and you put it well. You know, Pettis, Ian, doesn't believe, to Kenny's point, that strength is going to be a factor or a disadvantage. He doesn't expect to be physically overwhelmed here. I don't know, right? We'll see. I mean, that's why they play the games. Your thoughts uh, on Pettis as a potential live underdog here and what's a high-profile spot uh, against Fajeda? Um, I, I agree with Kenny in the aspect that the odds are definitely off. Um, I, I felt like, again, this should have been more of like, a minus 120, one way or the other, just because Fajita has not fought, has fought tough competition. Uh, I know he fought Poirier, though. That was a while ago. Pettis is a real big, you know, marketable name. He's been around for a minute, was the champ. Here's the only problem, though. Anthony Pettis has not shown me um, that spark, that showtime energy that he has. He's got a guy in Fajita who's got all the confidence in the world. His striking has gotten way better. It's definitely not as clean as Anthony's, but I think strength does play a role um, to – you know, I know Kenny said, I'm sorry, you said Anthony said it doesn't, but that when you're going against a guy that can pick you up and slam you and take you down, and Anthony Pettis is not known for his takedown defense, that's going to be kind of hard for him. You know, he's had a lot of trouble throughout his career stopping guys from taking him down and grinding, and I just don't know if he has it anymore to stop a guy like Fajeda. I don't think he subs him off his back where Anthony is strong in his jiu-jitsu. Uh, I like Fajeda here. I hate him at minus 200, so I can't bet him. So to Kenny's point, if you want to take a flyer on another dog, Pettis is definitely live. But I think if you were to just strip the odds away and say, who do you think wins? I just like where Fajeda's at right now compared to where Pettis is at. I'm actually very surprised Pettis took this fight. I don't see what this does for him if he does win. So I'm going Fajeda. Way more to win for him. And early on in our system, you might as well strip away the odds and try to pick winners as Ken Flo has proven. Right. You do not need to get off to a good start as he just came roaring back. What what a miserable spring for uh, for Team Anik last year. All right. At strawweight, Ken Flo. Pick him fight here, at least according to most spots in Vegas. Claudia Gadelia, minus 115. Alexa Grasso, minus 115. Grasso, kind of a hard luck 3-3 three and three in the UFC. I feel like her yeah. body of work is better than that record would indicate. Uh, nine of ten 
UFC starts have gone the distance on the other side for Gedalia coming off a narrow win uh, over Randa Marcos. What do you think here, Alexa Grosso and Claudia Gedalia? I am a big fan of Alexa Grosso. Uh, I think she really has um, made some improvements in her game, but this is just a poor choice in opponents, in my opinion, uh, against Claudia Gedalia. Claudia tends to struggle against the grappler, against the person who has very good takedowns, uh, like the Andrade. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I think, you know, I think Gedalia wins this fight. I think she's going to be able to take down uh, Alexa Grosso. Grosso is just not going to have the ground game to be able to contend with someone like Gedalia. Um, and I, I think furthermore, uh, when you start to take down Grosso, I think it starts to shut down her striking a little bit. She becomes way more hesitant. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see. She might come out uh, guns blazing early on, but I think that's only going to allow Gedalia to hit those reactive takedowns, put her on her back, slow her down, and eventually get either a TKO or a sub win against Grasso, uh, who I think has a lot of potential, but I don't think she's taking the right fights here at the, this point in her career. Uh, I like this fight, uh, and I like this win for Gedalia. Interesting. Gedalia has bounced around a lot when it comes to her training. Seems to have settled under that Mark Henry roof there uh, on the northeast coast of the United States. We'll see how it goes for her here. Kind of needs a signature finish to expedite a run back to that championship opportunity. Uh, Grosso still a developmental fighter, I think, in a lot of respects, but but really getting better and I think showed signs even uh, in a recent loss that she was on the right track. Ian, what do you think about Grosso here uh, against the former world title challenger? I think Kenny said it best. I think this is a tough matchup for her. You know, I think that Claudia Gade... I don't even want to try and pronounce that fucking last ah. name. Forget that. I, I went for it, and I'm like, eh, I'm bailing. Um, too early <laughs> in the year to start fucking up names. I love Claudia. You know, I, my only concern with her, with Mark Henry, that I saw in her fight against Random Marcos, was that she was really relying heavily on the jab. And it, it wasn't... I wasn't seeing that same pit ball out of Claudia that I'm used to, where she used that jab to get in and take someone down in this fight i think for her to dominate to kenny's point this fight has to go to the ground because grosso does have the boxing ability to win this fight i just don't see it happening um claudia is a different demon she'll always stay in the top five as far as i'm concerned until she leaves you know and i just think she'll be too much for grosso you know as long as claudia doesn't stay hesitant like she did with marcos and try and point her win yeah. you know I, I think this one is a good matchup for her not so great for grosso and uh, whoever is managing Grasso is really just saying, we got something special here. You know, they're not going to get rid of her because the UFC does not have a ton of depth in that division. But sometimes that can hurt the confidence in a fighter. You know, you don't want to see them drop a couple in a row because then it's like, hey, if I keep losing to the top and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, you know, so I'm going Claudia. And I think this is a monster bet for people at minus 115. I'm so confused by the odds makers yeah. here. It's almost questioning myself. Because I thought she would have been a minus 185, at yeah. least just based on the experience level of competition. Great. And sometimes I wish I could take my opinion a little bit further in this conversation. Of course, I'm calling <laughs> it Saturday night, but uh, I do believe that big picture, maybe we've shortchanged Grasso a little bit. We'll see how it goes for her, though, uh, in a pick'em spot against Gadelia. All right, five picks down two disagreements. We have three to go. We can get to a featured bout at heavyweight, the Crochet Boss. I had the file ready to go so you could just hear him say the Crochet Boss Maurice Green because he sounds a lot better than I do. He's a slight favorite here, minus 135 against the ageless Alexi Olitic, plus 105 underdog here in this, his 72nd professional Man. MMA bout, 72 walks in mixed martial arts. No thank you. 72 walks. Uh, what do you think here, Ian Parker? Are you going with the boa constrictor or the crochet boss Maurice Green? 
I really want to take my man crush Alexei here, but it's so hard to do so because, you know, he's, in my opinion at this point, his striking is too predictable and he's, you know, and that Ezekiel choke, you know, I feel like we talked about this with the Lyman Good and Damien, Damien fight where you prepare for one thing. I mean, Kenny, you, all, you should just go to Maurice's house and listen, this is how you defend against a standing Ezekiel choke and you win this fight. <laughs> and I just think that, I just think that Maurice Green's athleticism here, um, He's just his size. We haven't seen, you know, another another big guy who can move. He's, ah, man, 72 fights, and he looks every bit of it, you know, with Alexei. I really want yeah. to pick him because he's just such a nice guy. I've run into him a few times down here, but I'm going Maurice Green. I just can't see an- another guy falling into that trap, and I'm surprised the odds are this low also. This is a very bizarre yeah. booking uh, with the odds. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Maurice Green. I keep laughing every time I think of Alexei Olnick because I keep seeing Shrek in my brain. And then if yeah. you go to Google right. the side by side, he's really even the ears. Yeah. That, that's close. Yeah, um, I'm going Mo Green here. I think he's going to knock Alexei out. Unfortunately, I'd love to see him put you in one of those Ezekiel Chuck stuff. <laughs> I'd love to not be in one of those. Yeah. though. I won't get out. No, I'm I'm way faster than him. I think. Um, but no, I don't want to be in that choke. That squeeze no. is insane. Oh, when he did that to Mark Hunt, bleh. no, thank you. Yeah, Ken Flo, speaking of which, that was in 2018 when Alexei Olenek went 2-0 and with a couple of submission wins. 2019 was not his year. 0-2 against elite competition. And I think Olenek may be nearing the end when it comes to facing elite guys. He's 42 years old. Crochet. Green v. Olenek. Oh, really? Olenek, Olenek's just going to give up now? He's not going to get 100 <laughs> professional fights for people? Yeah. Right. Oh my God! Listen, the guy's an absolute beast, uh, and he can surprise people for, uh, you know, here and there. But uh, yeah, I, I don't love this fight for him. I, I think uh, Maurice Green uh, is going to be a lot faster. I see him catching uh, Olenek on the feet and uh, finishing the job. Yeah. Can you imagine if we could cuss on broadcast, right? Like I had this pitch back in the day. I never pitched it, but to HBO <laughs> or Showtime, right? A, a sports highlight show where you could cuss. Right? right. Imagine the crochet boss knocks him out. You could be like. The fucking crochet boss, you know? I mean, it just, it would be a totally different level. ESPN would then, their NFL highlights would be, like, would be insane. Can you imagine every time a guy scores a touchdown? Holy fuck, did you see that catch? What a, you know. That's why Bob Mettery is such a big deal right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, there that's go. right. But imagine if you could watch a sports highlight show like Sports Center, and the anchors could that's sit there. I'm down. Yeah. Let's Man, do it, Anik. Hey, get a fucking hold of that one, you know? Anik. We can do it now. We could do it right now. There's no rules. We could. Why not? Yeah, just got to find my entrepreneurial spirit somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> we right, should do a highlight event. show. A lot of people feel like Pettis Fajeda is the co-main event. It is not. It's the rematch between women's bantamweight contenders. Holly Holm, minus 135. Raquel Pennington, plus 105. First meeting went to Holly Holm. That was split decision back in 2015. Now, as many of you know, this rematch was supposed to happen last year in Australia. Pennington found out upon landing that this fight was not going to happen because Holly Holm had suffered a lower body injury, I believe. So you can be sure Raquel Pennington is excited to have the opportunity to uh, to punch Holly Holm in the face this weekend. Ian Parker, we will need the round, the method of victory for the co-main event. Who do you have? Huh. Um, yeah, it's funny when they talk about this, the co-main, and then the rematch. Like, it's really got so much sauce behind it. Uh, well, first fight... When you land in Australia and Holly pulls out, there's more heat and sauce on it than there was prior. So I'll at least for give you Raquel, that. for Raquel Pennington, not really for the rest of Earth. But no, I'm with you there. I, huh. I get it for Raquel, for Raquel Pennington. This is a revenge. Like 
fuck you. You made me travel to Australia, and then you back out. There's the F-bomb you were looking for. Um, I think Holly Holmes, I think this is a really good fight for Holly Holmes to kind of bounce back and get her mojo back. You know, Raquel, when she first kind of went on that run towards the title, the pressure, you know, the dirty boxing was really there. But against Holly Holmes, I don't think she's going to get those opportunities. I think Holly's going to be moving around a lot. I think those leg kicks are going to play a factor. I think Holly Holmes is going to win. I want, I want to say by knockout, but Raquel Pennington, I don't know if she's ever even been finished in the UFC. So I'm going to go Holly Holm for now by decision. I just think that this fight will not be brought to the ground. I don't think Raquel has the uh, that big of an advantage on the offensive takedowns to really surprise Holly. I think it kept, it's kept standing, and I think Holly boxes her way to, uh, to a win here. Ken Flo, the rematch, Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington. Who do you like? I see this as a closer fight. Um, listen, I... I have yet to see a comfortable Holly Holm in the octagon. I, I, I still think she has left a lot of her skills on the table. She has not brought them into the octagon like I uh, thought we would see. Um, e- even in her phenomenal performance against uh, Ronda Rousey to start that fight. I mean, she just looks so nervous, but that was easily her best performance. Um, I, I just think that she's so tight out there and so nervous. She doesn't let her true skills... Uh, shine in the octagon. Um, and I think this could be a very close fight. I would not be surprised if Rocky wins this fight. I am going to go with Holly Holm. I think Holm's going to be able to outpoint her and get a decision win. But uh, to Ian's point, Rocky is not an easy fight to finish. Um, I think she's the kind of girl that just will not go away. But uh, I like Holm in this one by decision. I think there's a lot of truth in that assessment from Holly Holm, and I've never necessarily heard it put that way. I mean, certainly we've talked in the past, Kenny, even when she fought Maury and Renault about maybe just the way she was early on. Uh, but, yeah, it's very, very interesting take there. Um, all right, so Holly Holm for both parties. Did we get a method from Ken Flo, by the way? Decision. Was, decision. old no so, decision I was from so Flo. caught up in either the haircut or the analysis that I just totally – or the, Ray, or, the, or the Ray Longo jumpsuit he's been rocking for today. My lavender, my lavender hoodie, bro. bro. It's, Ken, it's Kenny, Bo- Kenny Bumbats over here today. I like it. <laughs> Got it all going. All right, main event. Conor McGregor is back. Just his second fight since 2016. He is favored to get it done against Donald Cerrone at a minus 320 clip. Cowboy Cerrone comes back at plus 260. We also have that round prop, guys, but... As I told you offline, just because you pick Conor McGregor by first round knockout doesn't mean you have to pick under a round and a half. Separate entities, feel free to hedge, go separate ways, whatever you want to do. One thing, Kenny, I want to start with on this. George St. Pierre has voiced what I think is somewhat of a popular opinion about this fight, that if Donald Cerrone chooses to wrestle early, commits to mixing up the martial arts, he expects that, that Cerrone will win the fight late. He thinks that the fight ends early. He likes Conor McGregor, presumably via strikes. You know, a lot of people believe that Cerrone's been disrespected leading up to this fight. I feel like maybe Conor hasn't gotten the credit that he deserves for the body of work at times either. Uh, we will lead with Kenny Florian here. First main event of 2020, UFC 246, five-round non-title fight at welterweight. Who wins? How do they get it done? You know, listen, I think that uh, George is pretty accurate in what he said, Um, you know, pretty basic uh, analysis, but uh, I think he's right. The problem with that is that I have yet to see Cowboy go out and methodically execute this game plan where you see him go out, get in clean and get out clean. 
Cowboy, just based on who he is and how he fights, he's a macho guy. He's a manly guy. He wants to out-tough you a lot of times. And there's been moments and flashes of brilliance with these uh, brilliant combinations that he showed uh, in fights, like, say, uh, against Rick Story, for example, where he just, you know, showed just brilliant striking, bada-bing, bada-boom, gets you out of there. I just don't see him doing that here against Conor McGregor when there is a lot on the line. And I think... With Cowboy, you know, in a lot of these championship fights as well, I do think the moment has gotten the better of him. Um, and I think a lot of those fights were fights that he could win. I, I don't think that he is, um, you know, outgunned here necessarily against Conor McGregor. I could easily give you a game plan and let's do it right now. Cowboy goes out there. He sticks and moves. He utilizes leg kicks. He gets in. He gets out. Um, he allows Connor to really pressure him, eventually hits a double leg takedown, steals the round, does it again and again and again. Does anybody see Cowboy staying disciplined enough and not getting in a, uh, you know, macho style fight to do that for five rounds? I don't. I just don't. We haven't seen it before, and I can't assume that we're going to see it on Saturday night. So for me, I think it's Conor McGregor going out there, pressuring him early on, getting into boxing range, um, sneaking in there with his leg game, utilizing kicks to mix it up, keeping Conor on his back foot so he can't utilize those leg kicks, pressuring him with that southpaw stance, landing shots to the body, going upstairs, and taking him out relatively early. I'll give you my pick for both the under and the fight right now. Conor McGregor gets it done in round one. So there's the under, Woo! and there's my pick. Oh, and I'm anxious. I'm like, like, my appetite is suppressed. I was just taking that all in. All right, Conor McGregor, round one, knockout or TKO, the official pick to click for Ken Flo. Ian Parker, what do you have? Well, Kenny threw out the bada bing, bada boom after I called him <laughs> Kenny Boombot. So I think we got something here. The duck versus Kenny bada bing. Oh, hey. Uh, hey. Thank God Ray didn't hear any of that. He'd been like, these guys are such fucking frauds. It's ridiculous. Um, you know what? Here's my thing, Kenny. We did see uh, Cowboy one time be disciplined against Ally Aquinta. He did not get in a macho type of fight. He stayed disciplined. He actually used that front kick to stay at range. He didn't get into a brawl. And that got him to get the finish over Al, who I don't think Al, well, Al's may have been finished one or two times before that. I think at any time in Cowboy Cowboy's life to have a moment right now with his son being the motivator. Look, he's also been fighting guys like Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, beating guys like Al. Connor has not fought in a long time. You know, obviously Habib and the Alvarez and before that, you know, it's just for me, it's hard to see Connor knocking out Cowboy. He's got to get close to him. And if you go look at the stats when Connor has fought taller guys, he hasn't had that same level of success. I don't think Cowboy is going to be stupid and get into a brawl. I, I think when people say Connor only has a left hand, I think that's really dumb coming from a karate background. But I don't think his leg kicks are anything that Cerrone hasn't seen before. You know, I don't think there's a, he's got, I don't think anyone's ever said, oh, Connor has the most devastating leg kicks in the division when we talk about someone like a Barbosa. You know, um, I don't think Cowboy also fights overly emotional. Him and Connor have not been really trading barbs where Cowboy's like smiling, Connor's actually showing him respect. I just think for this fight, Cowboy has to really keep the distance, to your point. I think he has to get that takedown while backpedaling and shooting in order to steal a couple of rounds. But I think his leg kicks are actually going to be the difference here. I think if Cowboy can utilize the leg kicks without dropping his hands, 
he could slow Connor down. And Connor's not known. It's funny how he's known for not known for his cardio, but he has a, a Connor McGregor fast cardio program on Instagram that he sells. Um, I'm going over one and a half. I don't think he knocks out Cowboy in the first round. Not many people have done that to Cowboy. I don't think it starts now. And I think Cowboy is going to win by submission in round four. I think if he uses the Nate Diaz blueprint, he can do it. I think George St. Pierre, although he did give a very, very basic prediction there, I think that Cowboy has one of the more underrated ground games that we've seen. Great submission game. If you want to even, I don't mean to rant, but if you want to go back and watch that tap-out series where they discovered Donald Cerrone, he got slammed and won by triangle. That is next fight he won by rare naked choke. They weren't even looking at him at this, as this striker. He was known for his submissions, and over the years, it caught up. So I think Cowboy shines here. Connor's been out for a while. Um, I get the matchup here, though. Cowboy's taking a lot of abuse, but I don't think anyone's being disrespected here. I don't think they need to market this fight any more than they have to, other than that really weird T-shirt by Conor McGregor. So I like Cowboy. Yeah, no, and it's a good take by you, and obviously it'd be a good start for the main event challenge for you if Donald Cerrone comes in. I just think... When you look at his 2019, it was really a tale of two years, right? Alexander Hernandez and Ally Quinta beats both of those guys, two budding oncoming lightweight contenders. He's in the fighter of the year conversation in May and then closes it out with the back-to-back losses to Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. And I think that's built into the price a little bit. But I also believe that Conor McGregor has done a whole lot of winning and a whole lot of high-profile pressure spots before. And, uh, you know, Las Vegas expects him to do that again. And in regards to the Ally Quinta fight, I think Cowboy fought well, but I also think Ally Quinta just didn't show up for that fight. That that was not the same Ali Quinta that fought Habib Nurmagomedov. So I think that was, um, you know, both both played a part in that in that good performance okay. from Cowboy. But I do agree with you. At 170 pounds, uh, not going to be an easy thing for for Connor to knock him out. All right, the seatbelt is off because Ian Parker's got to go pick up a dependent. Great job to start the year, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you got it, guys. All right, that is it for the main event challenge for week one of 40-plus here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Now it's time to get to the pick to click. It is brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com. Don't forget that second S, OddsShark.com. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, now joining us live, sports analyst for OddShark.com on social media. You can find him at JTFOZ. The great Joe Osborne is with us. Of course, it is a big pay-per-view week. And we need your input on UFC 246, particularly when it comes to this headliner. Conor McGregor minus 320. Donald Cowboy Cerrone is plus 260. Over under one and a half rounds is out there as well. Minus 125 to the over. Line has stayed pretty consistent, Joe. You know, we've had some cappers and coaches and people give their opinions today. Kind of a split audience here. Uh, Your thoughts on the main event coming up here in five or six days. Well, not exactly going on a limb here, but I think McGregor gets it done. You know, people want to talk about McGregor, or his critics anyways, they want to talk about him as if the sky's falling. But still, he's only lost two fights in his UFC career so far. Take a look at Cowboy, he's lost twice since June. Uh, you know, huh. you look at Cowboy's fight logs, right? He's good, he's a Hall of Famer, but against other high-level talent, most notably... Recent losses to Justin Gaethje, uh, Ferguson, his lone UFC title shot versus RDA, he tends to shrink a little bit. He got beat up quite badly in those fights. Lost all three by TKO. Um, now, all that said, 
I do think McGregor's overvalued here at minus 325, whatever number you're getting him at. Uh, he seems a little bit overvalued because there are some red flags. The layoff, most notably, I thought he did show some rest in that Khabib fight. Plus, you got to give Cerrone the conditioning advantage, and I think he has a few more ways to win the fight. Um, all that said, I think the best bet for this fight, the best value you're going to get is under one and a half rounds coming in at minus 110. We've seen Cerrone get finished in the first or second round four times over the last three years. McGregor, this guy's a finishing machine. I don't need to tell you that. He has seven first or second round finishes in his UFC career. Plus, this bet leaves the door wide open uh, for a Cerrone upset. So any fighter can win it under one and a half rounds coming in at minus 110 would be my best bet for that one. I like it, buddy. Sharp stuff, as always. I want to get to the NFL stuff next weekend. The championship games are set, but because the NCAA national title game is tonight, the college football national championship here in the United States of America, if you don't know, it's tonight. So I feel like I'd be remiss if I don't at least get two cents from you. I'm on Clemson plus six, taking on LSU. Our buddy Daniel Cormier feels like this is just an afterthought that his LSU Tigers are going to get this thing done and be the national champions. Any lean, any wager for you here coming up in a few short hours? John, I wish you would have told me you're on LSU because I like Clemson too and every other single person in the odd jerk office that I talk to tells me that they like Clemson so when everyone's on the same oh. side as me I do yeah. not like that one bit but uh, either way, you know, I like Clemson in this one. I think they're being undervalued just slightly, you know, yeah. and they tend to be uh. looked at a bit different because they don't get, uh, they, they don't play the same level of competition during the regular season, right? They're basically playing high school teams. They might as well be, right? Um Whereas LSU is just setting the world on fire. I thought Clemson came out a little bit rusty in that Ohio State game. They looked a little sleepy early. But, uh, you know, I think they can keep it at least close enough to cover the spread here tonight. Ken Flo, there was a shot at Boston College in there from Joe Osborne. You know, Ken Flo played <laughs> soccer at BC, so we heard that. <laughs> well, BC soccer, man. That's a completely different level. <laughs> right. team. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Hey, before we get you out of here, so the conference title games in the NFL for the AFC, it'll be the Tennessee Titans catching seven and a half points at the Kansas City Chiefs. NFC title game, the Packers getting seven at the San Francisco 49ers. Anything for us there to kick off the new year, my man? Yeah, I do like both favorites here, kind of square picks, I guess, but uh, I got to go with what I like. And uh, the pick I like the best is uh, 49ers uh, minus seven over the Packers. There's some real standout stats here. The Packers, they were really, really, really bad on the road this season. They finished 29th in net yards per play on the road, whereas San Francisco finished second at home. So you take a look at that game that those teams played against each other in late November, which San Francisco won 37-8. to They did that despite forcing just one turnover. They had 38 more penalty yards, and they lost the time of possession battle. They still won. By 29 points here, uh, Aaron Rodgers looked really bad in that game. The sack five times through for a season-low 104 yards. So we all know in the playoffs, doesn't matter what sport, it's about peaking at the right time. We saw San Francisco start the season 8-0, and and then they, they kind of fell off a little bit. They still were winning games, but they weren't obliterating teams like they were at the start of the season. Why did they fall off? Because all the primary, well, not all of them, but a lot of the key players on their defense were injured. Those guys came back after the bye week, and how did they look versus the Minnesota Vikings? They looked right. pretty damn good. So one game under their belt to shake off any rust. I didn't see any rust whatsoever, but I, I could see them just smashing them. Uh, quick note on the AFC game. Yeah. You look at the Tennessee Titans, uh, a bit of a darling here, a fun team to root for. Uh, both of their wins here in the playoffs so far 
They've been outgained in yards both times. They allowed 530 yards to the Ravens, but still only allowed 12 points somehow. Um, I don't see them running into that same luck against Kansas City. Uh, so I would uh, lean Kansas City there. I'd love to see that get down to seven, of course. But, uh, yeah, I like both favorites uh, coming up here in championship weekend. Great stuff, Joe Osborne. I'm sitting on a couple Chiefs futures tickets, so I'm hoping that the Tennessee run ends here. But, man, those San Francisco 49ers, they look like the Super Bowl champions to me. But we'll see uh, how it all plays out. If you want to follow more of what Joe does, daily show on oddshark.com, on social media at JTFOZ. Appreciate your insight as always, my man. Enjoy the pay-per-view this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you in a few weeks before UFC 247. Yes, sir. Have fun Saturday, John, and good luck Thank if you, you have any bets on this weekend. There he is, Joe Osborne, with us a couple times a month here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And you notice he mentioned net yards per play. A lot of the guys who are on the sharp side who are betting football, they're looking at things like net yards per play. And uh, square guys like me, sometimes I'm placing a bet, I forget to look at things like that, and it just all goes <laughs> sideways. And then you tell your wife that uh, that you're ripping up tickets, and that's just the way it goes. All right, before we get out of here, Ken Flo, I want to get your thoughts on Ryan Hall, because yeah. obviously you're one of his coaches, you corner him in the UFC, and... There has been this trend in his UFC career, not in activity necessarily, but of having a hard time getting high-profile fights, yes. given his resume as a guy who has not lost in the UFC. So he's ranked in the featherweight top 15, but if you take him at his word, and we all do, he's having a hard time getting opponents. So Pedro Munoz is a longtime Bantamweight contender who has now thrown his name into the hat to fight Ryan Hall. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole situation, Ryan's inability to get fights that'll move him forward at featherweight and and maybe your team's appetite for this Pedro uh, Munoz offer. Well, that's it right there. Uh, you know, you said fights that aren't going to move him forward. He's looking for, number one, he's looking for tough challenges. And a lot of those tough challenges reside, obviously, uh, in the guys who are ranked. And a lot of these guys don't want to touch Ryan Hall. They they, they don't want to fight him uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, for Ryan, um, you know, he looks at very specific uh you know, guys that, uh, you know, he wants to fight and all of them, it, it, it doesn't matter who it is. He just wants a tough guy who's ranked. That's going to elevate his status. And a lot of these guys are saying no to him period. Right. Right. And you know, uh, whatever, you know, guys are either booked or, or dates aren't, you know, lining up for right. when he can fight right. and when the other guy wants to fight. So it's really been a problem for Ryan and it's been frustrating, um, you know, candidly for him and, and for us as well. So, um, you know, right now, Pedro Munoz is one of the guys who, who threw his name in, into the hat. And um, I think maybe the only guy that has stepped up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, man. yeah, exactly. and he's not even in the division. He's 135 pounds. He's the number six ranked guy at 135 pounds. Coming off has, a loss, I believe. Coming off of a loss, but has, you know, beaten former champion and Cody Garbrandt by knockout. Definitely has knockout power and also happens to be a high level Brazilian Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So, you know, it, it shows that Ryan is willing to fight uh, anyone as long as you're a tough guy and a good challenge, a highly ranked fighter. Doesn't matter the division. And, um, you know, Ryan's willing to fight. Looks like Pedro's willing to fight. Hopefully they can come up with a date and make this thing happen. Now it just comes back to the UFC or whether they want to see the fight happen and, and whether they can put it on one of their cards. So hopefully it does. You know, um, Ryan's looking forward to a big challenge and hopefully he gets it soon. I just think it'd be so intriguing to see him against someone like Munoz, but see him against top five featherweight competition to right. really see 
where he's at because yes. there's just an intriguing element to what he does. And uh, again, respect and props to all the managers who wisely turned down the Ryan Hall fight, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? No, I mean, that's yeah. the other side it's of crazy. it too. It's like you talk about Alexa Grasso and maybe if you're her manager getting the call for the Claudia Gedalia fight, maybe you pump the brakes. Sure. You know, I think, hey, I mean, a lot of managers, they say, how about Ryan Hall? It's like, dude, fuck no. Right. You know, like, right. and that's a, a respect thing too. All yes. right. We got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening, for watching on YouTube, of course, as well. I'm so excited. I'm about to go pack this suitcase Woo! right now, to be honest with you. I'm headed out to Las Vegas on Wednesday. And, of course, we will all be right back next Monday to recap it all. We will see if it was a victorious return to competition for the notorious Conor McGregor. Thank you to TJ DeSantis, Mike Heck on the video side, helping us out uh, with that for Ken Flo, Ray Longo, The Duck, John Anderson. So long for now. We'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.